Today's episode of 1% Better is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hi there, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. It's another episode of 1% Better, your favorite Colts podcast, we hope. Uh, so good news. Uh, we're all sequestered. There's no sports being played, but Zach, Wait, we are. Wait, there's good news? <laughs> yeah, the world's Please not going to end. Can, I, I, don't can think. I get out of my house today? What's the good news? Oh, no. Nothing like that. The NFL drafts a week from today. Starts a week from today. So it is a week from yippee. today. Wow. Yeah. So we're one week away from the NFL draft. Uh, but before we get to that, we are going to first chime in on the real news of the week. And that is... <laughs> The Colts uniform updates, Zach. I mean, I know you were excited about this because actually Zach called me this week and told me he couldn't wait to do the podcast because he wanted to talk about this so much. That's a lie. Actually, you, you, no. We're not doing a Zoom right now, so you less. can't see my eyes rolling in the back of my head. <laughs> um, this is so overblown in my opinion. What do you think of the new uniforms? Because they're completely different, obviously. So, like, what, what was your first impression? <laughs> yeah, completely different. I mean, I don't even know if like, we're going to recognize them. <laughs> well, you know, the, the font on those numbers, I got to tell you, I mean, that really bowled me over. That was huge. No, it wasn't. I don't know. Look, I am maybe – I'm just a grizzled uh, sports writer, so don't take my opinion to heart. But I'll just be honest with you. I couldn't care less. Okay, that's just me. I don't know why people get so worked up about uniforms. I mean, unless they're like an overhaul. This was not an overhaul. I, I, I was surprised by the reaction. Like there was like intense reaction, good I and know. bad. I, know. I was and, surprised. And, and so the Colts, the Colts official tweet is is Kenny Moore with the new uniform. He's got the he's got the new numbers and he's got the new word mark above the face mask and it says a new look for 2020. And I just want to scream because it's not a new look. It's the same look you've had for 50 years. <laughs> And that's never going to change. Jim Irsay is on the record saying, look, this is never going to change. It's a classic, traditional look. We love it. We're never going to change that. I don't know why the impetus was to change very, very, very minute things that no one's going to be able to notice. Um, But I get a lot of teams are doing that. A lot of teams are making these very minor changes. Some are making even more drastic changes. I feel like it's just it's a great social media campaign. It draws interest. It sells jerseys. It gets fans excited. I get that. For me, it's just kind of like nonsense, to be honest. Yeah. Now, the only thing I would say is they did introduce introduce this this black to the conversation, the color black. And and I don't necessarily know what's going to come of that other than like hats and, you know, jerseys that they'll sell. But if well, they ever the wear that package we got, I'm sure you got it. Yeah, I did. Um, we got this fancy Colts package with a hat and a shirt. And, and I just want to I told my wife. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> so, like, I <laughs> cannot accept gifts from the team I cover. I cannot, I cannot show up to training camp wearing a Colts T-shirt. That's just not like, you know, we have to, you know, remain somewhat ethical at least, right? So, right. I gave it to a buddy who's a huge Colts fan. It's pretty sweet stuff, to be honest. But I don't, yeah. I don't exactly know why the Colts sent it to the media members. But there's probably a couple that are going to enjoy the box. That's for sure. 
they sent it so that we could, you know, put it on Twitter, which I did. So I did my, I refused I, I did to do my that. Duty. I refused to give the Colts the credit. <laughs> I caved and I, I gave them what they wanted, which I felt kind of dirty about, but whatever. Anyway. The last thing I'll say about this before we move yeah. on to much more important things. If they move to a black third uniform, mm-hmm. I would be in favor of it. I think it would look sweet. That would be cool. I'd be I'd be fine with it. I think most uniforms are awesome in black. I think the Raiders probably have the best uniforms in football. I think that could be something that would be really cool. Jim Mercy would have to sign off on that. But um, black and blue, man, that, that would be a slick look. Yeah, I, I don't know if that would pass for a color rush um, because yeah. I, I don't think it's a color you associate with the Colts, right? Um, so so I don't know how that would work. But if if it was ever a color rush, um, I don't even know if they're doing color rush this year. But if they ever get back to that and, and the Colts participate, I'd be in favor of it. That'd be cool. But uh, the, the players clearly are having fun with this. Like you talked about Kenny Moore and, you know, posting some of these photos. And I even saw some uh, sort of, uh, I guess, depictions that, that some people did. You yeah. Know, computer yeah art. Those. Some and of them were cool. Some of them were terrible. Yeah. And he's posted some of those and other players have too. The players, it's taking them back to college is what it's doing. Because yeah. in college, this is this is what they do, right? I mean, you show off your new uniforms every other Saturday. So anyway, me on the other hand, I'm getting old and I don't care about this stuff. So um, so let's talk about football. Right. Uh, one week to go, Zach. Um, it, it's kind of a, I don't want to say anticlimactic, but it's a little weird. They, they don't have a first round pick. So... You yeah. know, we could, in fact, be sitting there on that Thursday night twiddling our thumbs. We've been there. Uh, it's not. You mean like last it's not year? Interesting. <laughs> but, right. But but let's see. Let, I would say this. Uh, let's start with a couple of things. Um, I think one of the things here that, that people are not talking about, or let me rephrase that. I think we're talking about this all wrong as it relates to the Colts. You and I, I'm sure, both get questions all the time about, well, do you think they'll go receiver, um, you know, maybe um, corner or, you know, tight end? What, we're looking at this all wrong. The more I think about it, and I fall into that too, the, the more I think about this, the more I realize it's not about position with Chris Ballard. It never is. Yeah, okay? it never has been. It, it never has been. And I just think... There are situations where, yes, he has picked a player at a position of need. Quentin Nelson is a is a great example. The fifth overall pick, he goes with the offensive lineman. But yeah, guess what? He was also the best player on the board. He was also maybe the best player in the entire draft. <laughs> All right, exactly. So, like, you can't say that was a quote unquote need pick. Like, if he if Quentin Nelson wasn't the best offensive lineman on the planet, he probably wouldn't have taken him at number five, right? So, so I I think what are your thoughts on this? And we've gotten to know Chris now enough that I'm not suggesting that we can forecast this, especially with not a first round pick, but, but I mean, but, but am I wrong? I mean, do you agree with that? Do you no, think there's you're, something you're to that? On and, and I think we fall into the trap as it gets closer and closer because you're identifying needs. That's what we do, right? You, yeah. you walk out of a season and you think they need to get better here and here and here. And you think immediately you transition to the draft. And then when you don't address some of those needs in free agency, like the receiver spot for this team, it becomes a natural progression. But I think you're dead on. And we're going to learn more about this tomorrow when we talk to Chris in the afternoon for his pre-draft availability. And, and you know, and, and a lot of people out there know as well, he's going to leave some clues out there. He's going to. Whether we put them together ahead of Thursday or not That's remains to be seen. The man tells you what he's thinking, probably more than most GMs. And it's going to be really fascinating to see. And, and it's going to be different because we're going to be on Zoom with him. But 
Um, I promise you, I will do my best to figure out what the heck he means. <laughs> but look, I, I got a Mac draft coming out next week. I spent a lot of time on it. I did a lot of research. Thank God for for Dane Brugler, our draft guru, who put together a mammoth draft guide and then put his mock, his own mock, his seven-round mock, out earlier this week on The Athletic. If you haven't checked those out, they are awesome resources. I don't have him take him on a, a quarterback or a receiver first. Maybe I'm crazy, but I keep going back to, you know, what does this guy want? What does this GM think his team needs in the long term? And I just think he's going to take one. He's going to take the best guy available, the best guy they have rated at that spot, With if it's 34, if that's their first pick. And two, I've got him taking the defensive end because it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You look at their defensive end, you could argue that's a need because Justin Houston's 31. And Kamoko Toure has flashed, but not to put together a full season. And I could see that spot being something they just want to load up on for years and years to come. What does Chris always say? Ballard always says, you can never have enough pass rush. And then here's one question I want to ask you, Stephen, because I'm omitting, you know, this talented quarterback that everyone thinks the Colts are going to move up to take, and that's Jordan Love. If the Colts thought Jordan Love was the guy, why did they move out of the 13th spot? It, 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 it tells look, I know me. Buckner's awesome. I know he's a great sure. player. He's going to change this defense from the minute he gets here. But if you were sure about a quarterback, I don't think you move back. That's just my thought. Well, yeah. Look, it, first of all, yes, it does say a lot about DeForest Buckner, undoubtedly, yes. clearly, yes. right? Let, let's be clear about that. It says that he is worthy of the 13th overall pick above all else, right? However, I agree with you. And I think this is something we've talked about before on here. And I'll say it again because I don't think a lot of people have have grasped this. You can disagree. That's fine. But I think it's it's a, an important point. If if you were all in on Jordan Love and you think that you're getting a great value at, at potentially, because you don't know if he's going to be there, but potentially you think you're getting a great value with a guy like that at number 13 and he's your guy, you don't trade out of that spot. Because yeah. at, at minimum, having number 13 – Worst case scenario allows you at least to have that resource to move up and get him if you want, right? If you yeah, if you and, and, and sure there's no such thing as drafting him too high. It, you, you know what I mean? If it's a quarterback right. and he's the guy and he becomes your franchise quarterback, there's no such thing as drafting him too high, even if he's one or two. Right. I mean, Daniel Jones, right? I mean, the Giants said, yeah. he's our guy. We're going to get him. We don't care what you think. He's our guy. And you got to have conviction. I mean, that's if you don't, then... You know, if, if you're if you don't have any conviction about what you're doing, then why are you doing it? I mean, just get, get somebody else in there. Anybody could do the job then. Right. So uh I agree with you. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I'm glad you brought up love, Jordan Love, because I think he's such a crucial piece to this. Potentially what we still don't know. And let's be clear about this, because this is a huge point. What we still don't know. And this is kind of what Zach's alluding to is how much the Colts really love him. Right. I mean, I think Trust they like me, him. I've tried to find out and they're not saying yeah. They're, they really aren't. And, and, and that's why I want to, I want to be clear to people that, you know, it's not, it's not a hundred percent clear here that, that they are absolutely, uh, in love with him. He, they've been linked to him, but I don't know where the link even comes from. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Supposedly it's not coming Chris from Ballard said something room. sometime at, where someone show this to me because I have not seen it. So I'm just and saying. another thing but, is, is, is Chris has been on this guy for two years. He's been watching him before Andrew Luck retired, which means, you know, the, the quarterback need wasn't as great before then. Right. And I and I yeah. said that on a podcast and it kind of got a life of its own. That doesn't mean they're going to draft the kid. It doesn't even mean that they're really, really convinced he's the guy. They're scouting all these guys. 
So let's not right. confuse that for interest. But that's what the draft is about. That's what the st- speculation is about. That's why it's fun. But it'll be really fascinating to find out because I think we're going to find out next Thursday night by the end of the night if Jordan Love goes in round one, whether it's the Colts moving up or it's some other team. What do they really think about him? Because it's going to be they've been linked to him stronger than any other quarterback for a long, long time. So let's continue this this train of thought, though, because I think let's let's say this. Uh, clearly, they don't think that he is their you know sh- a shoe in pick for them at thirteen because they traded that pick. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done that. We agree. So let's let's just talk about what the resources that they have and and a potential Jordan Love fall because this is where Dane Brugler comes in. You talked about him, and we yeah. had Dane on last week. And I think if you were with us. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, you can still go back and listen. It's still relevant. Uh, I would say the takeaway from what Dane said is he is not seeing a sort of landing spot for Jordan Love uh, in that top half of the first round. He sees a potential fall there. I don't think he really believes that he gets all the way to 34. But in in Dane's uh, seven-round mock that he put out this week, he has the Colts taking Jordan Love at 34. Now, he was he had a caveat in there that he thought that someone would trade up into the first round and get him. And I think that's likely. But the point is... Boy, that would be does, a hell of a coup for Chris Bauer yeah. to get to Forrest Buckner and Jordan Love. Yeah, he does see him falling. And, and I, I said, at first, I was like, nah, you're crazy. But then I went and I looked at it. Okay, check this out. So, you've got... I think the, the key in the NFL draft is to look at landing spots, particularly for for a position as, you know, sort of unique as quarterback, right? Because you know, you're not drafting a first round quarterback if you don't need a quarterback. That's just not going to happen for the most part. So you got to right. look for, you know, it's not like a wide receiver or running back or, you know, the positions where you can have multiple guys. I mean, they're not drafting a franchise quarterback if you have a franchise quarterback. So we can look at those teams that once you get past the top 10, you know, the Raiders, they're in there. I don't think the Raiders are going to do are going to go quarterback. I don't think probably not. The 49ers have a couple first round picks. Right. The 49ers have a couple first round picks. They're kind of interesting, you know, but for now, at least they're still tied to Garoppolo. Uh, look, I mean, the Buccaneers, <laughs> they taking a quarterback? Hell no. Uh, the Broncos, take, I don't think. They got to get help for Brady, right? <laughs> exactly. So the Dolphins got two first, but, you know, they're probably going to take one of those other quarterbacks. So what about you get down, New England? Now, so that's where I'm getting to. New England so I think, and New Orleans. I think that's the sweet spot is 23 and 24. That is the New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. Now, if Jordan Love gets past that spot, and I don't know that it happens, but but certainly I don't see a lot of natural landing spots before that. If Jordan Love gets past that, Chris Ballard pick up the phone because you got to try. You got to at least try because if none he's of the those. Guy, if he's if he's yeah, crossed if he, all your boxes yeah. and and all that, and, and he yeah. doesn't have to be a perfect prospect at like twenty seven. You know what I'm saying? Like no. you get to that point, and he, I'm willing to take a chance. And, w- and so the way a lot of people are not thinking about this, but I I really am seeing this Philip Rivers thing as a two year deal. I know it's technically a mm-hmm. one year deal, but it's it's Frank basically Reckless a two year approach from both sides. Worst case, you can franchise him. But I think if everything goes well, which if it goes, you know, mostly well, Rivers yeah. is going to want to come back. The Colts are going to want him back, which means right. potentially Jordan Love, who we've already banked on becoming an Indianapolis Colt, which isn't a done <laughs> deal by any means. That means he's got two years to learn, which he might need. He might need that. And two sure. years with Sirianni and Frank Reich and a 38-year-old quarterback, Philip Rivers, who's really, really, really smart. That could be That could be such a good situation to walk into because – 
So many times you hear about these quarterbacks, these these great prospects busting out two, three years in. I swear, I, I feel strongly about this. It's the situation they walk into that's such an important part of that. And the Colts situation is a really, really good one. And I think any young quarterback could thrive here. I think Love would be perfect. He's got all the physical tools. He needs to catch up with everything else, especially decision-making. That's where Reich and Rivers and Sirianni could have a huge role in that. Yeah, look, I think the Aaron Rodgers sort of example is was way overused, right? And And I'm guilty of it too. But it's applicable here in two respects. Number one, uh, this is a guy who... Actually, there's a funny story. You can look it up. I've heard the story many times. Uh, he was worked out by John Gruden uh, like a week before the draft. I think the Bucks that year had the number five pick. Uh, he brought Jerry Rice to the workout, by the way. This has nothing to do with the Colts, but bear with me. Um, <laughs> he brings Jerry Rice to the workout. Aaron Rodgers crushes it, and then they don't pick him. So Aaron Rodgers sits in the green room till where did he go? 24? 24 to Green Bay. Right. So... We, that's so number one, that's a precedent, right? For a, a highly thought of quarterback sliding to the end of the first round. And it's then the other precedent, potentially, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Then the other potential precedent is a guy who sat behind, um, you know, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, in that case, a Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Brett Favre and hated it, but probably was better for it. <laughs> okay. So look, I, I mean, I think. There's a potential scenario here that's really interesting and and could really work for everybody involved. I, I don't know. I, like I said, he he's not a perfect prospect, clearly, and that's why we're talking about this potential fall. But number one, it only takes one team. And number two, uh, at, when you get to the end of the first round, I don't care if he's perfect. He doesn't have to be. And so right. it, I, it I just changes think that's everything really interesting. If he's the fifth overall pick and the 35th overall pick for me. Yeah. The Lamar Jackson yeah. was 32nd and it wasn't like he was expected to start right away. And he's exceeded right. all those expectations. But, you know, the one thing that I thought was really interesting, and I thought more about this as we after we talked to Dane last week was when you weigh the love pick, it's. It's excuses versus reasons in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. It's, it's, mm-hmm. did he throw too many, you know, interceptions? Is that just an excuse for, you know, his talent or were there legitimate reasons why he threw those interceptions? New head coach for the first year. Uh, a lot of times his receivers bobble the passes. I mean, we, I saw this on tape. You've seen this. Everyone out there who's watched Jordan Love's tape has seen this. Um, how do you weigh that and how do you justify it and how do you see through? all these uh, intangible things around the player and just see the talent. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see wherever he lands. And it sounds like he's not a lock for the first round. It sounds like some of the NFL national insiders are saying they wouldn't be stunned if he fell a little bit back, maybe in the twenties, maybe even the early second round, which makes the Colts suddenly a player again. It'll be really fascinating to see where this kid goes because he's, he's a great, you know, he's the great Roshar test right now. Right? Like, yeah, Great talent, step back his junior year. What kind of pros he's going to be? Nobody knows. Who's going to be willing to take the risk? Yeah, there, there are people. Last word on Jordan Love. There, there are a lot of people who think he has quote unquote bust potential, and and I, I know that sounds harsh, but I get what they're saying. Right? He's kind of an all or nothing guy. It's like, will his style and his uh, sort of leave it all out there approach will that translate to the NFL? Where where defenses make you pay so dearly for mistakes right, uh, right. it's a very it's a very fair assessment a very fair question i guess uh, but i think he's a boomer bust guy i think the other end of that spectrum is 
holy shit, this guy could be good, right? He's so, got a lot of stuff you can't teach. And, and yeah, Ballard so, said that. I mean, Ballard is on the record yeah. saying, like, yeah, I see that. I see that arm. So it's a it's a fun it's a fun sort of exercise to look at him. And, and so he's the guy for me that I think is is the there there are bigger stories in this draft, but as it relates to us, he's the guy that's most interesting for our purposes. And so I'm just waiting to see how that plays out. Um, let's talk about wide receiver and about this being the lying season, like everybody always says, right? Yep. <laughs> and I bring that up because uh, so you, you're doing a mock draft. I already did mine, and and in it, I did take a receiver with that 34th pick. I took T. Higgins. I didn't feel great about that pick when I woke up the next morning, but you know, whatever. It's already there for the world to see. Here's what I'd say. The other the other option, I guess, that I bypassed there was uh, Denzel Mims from Baylor. And and I got a lot of questions about that. Why not Mims? Why not Mims? Because he's getting a lot of hype right now. And yeah. I, I wanted to – I bring this up because I want to share something with people. Uh, I didn't take Mims because I had a reason for not taking Mims. And I'll tell you what it was. So I think we all try to do at least some research and try to at least give informed opinions. doesn't mean that I'm an expert on these guys. But I can only really tell you what I know. And so I was told by a source, and this source would know some things. I was told by a source to really beware of Mims. It's really, it's really interesting. And the, I was, I asked the source, first of all, is he definitely a first round guy? I was told by this particular person, I don't think he goes in the first round. I think that was really interesting. Number one. Number two, uh, I just think he didn't see him as, as sort of like special. Um, and I think he does a couple of things really well, but, but the overall package uh, seemed to be lacking. And so I bring that up because if you guys don't know who Bob McGinn is, <laughs> you should learn who that is. Uh, he oh, works for the Athletic yeah. now. He's a legendary Green Bay Packers reporter, uh, but he's also very connected in the scouting community. So I looked up. He, he does uh, this package every year where he – uh, Bob McGinn goes and talks to scouts about different prospects in the draft. And so he's let, he's sort of spark, sort of uh, parsing them out by position. This week he did receivers and tight ends. So in this section on Denzel Mims, he's got like three or four different opinions and they are like night and day. People are all over the map on this guy. And I think that reflects what I'm talking about. People That's aren't sure about him. Yeah. So here's, here's one interesting sort of takeaway. These are anonymous quotes, obviously, because people would get fired. But <laughs> anyway, he says, and we don't want that. He says, this particular scout says, quote, he's an outside receiver. He's going to need a lot of work on how to run routes. He has tight shoulders, better ball, better high ball catcher than low ball catcher. Uh, he's got inconsistent hands. He's going to need to work on how to get off press. Uh, he's got just average body control. I have him in the second round. So, I mean, that's that's one take. There are others on here who who love him and say, you know, one guy here says he's he's better than CD Lamb. <laughs> so, I mean, take your pick. But but it's really interesting, you know, and I, I'm just that's why this is so fun to to see it actually play out on on draft night because of what we heard and then what actually happens. It tends to be it's often couldn't be more different. So and what are we hearing it's agent season. It's like the combine yeah, has come is. back because what are we hearing every day now until the draft? We're hearing this player interviewed with this team and had an unbelievable interview and he really mm -hmm. impressed them. And who's who's saying that? I can tell you the yeah. teams are not saying that. The agents right. are saying that. And then maybe they are. Maybe they're having great interviews. I'm sure plenty of them are. 
but it's that season. It's hype season, and there's only a week to go, so they're going to get everything they can out there. Um, Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, Jefferson, Ayuk, Mims, Rieger, Chanel, and then Pittman, who, you know, Brugler has going to the Colts. I liked that. Yeah. I like that fit. I still I think like they take a, a receiver within their first three picks. Higgins, there's a lot of talent, and I've watched some of the tape, and these guys can do a lot of different things. You can find Knox in a little bit. I mean, Lamb played in Oklahoma in the Big 12, and they don't play defense in the Big 12, and he had a lot of open catches. But he's mm-hmm. also crazy fast, and, and so is Judy, and and obviously Ruggs is incredibly fast. It's going to be really fun to watch these guys go off the board. I think they'll start going you know, mid to late top 10 and then in the middle of the first round, and we'll see because I'm not ruling out if the Colts love one of these guys. The need is obviously there. I think the impetus would be there for the Colts. If Chris Ballard's feeling greedy, move up and go get a stud receiver because T.Y.'s 30. Paris Campbell hasn't put together a full season yet. You like Zach Pascal, but there's no doubt you need to be thinking about the next four or five years. And in this league right now, you've got to have a stud receiver. You absolutely have to have one. you got to keep one. you got to pay one. They don't have that for the future. And maybe Paris Campbell becomes that next year. I think he takes a big step up, but you can never have enough. So um, you need to go do this for your head coach, Frank Reich, for your new quarterback, Philip Rivers. You need to go get one of these guys. I'm excited to see which one they pick and then to hear them explain why they picked this guy. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, I think. Um, I will say this. I mean, look, I've been on the Colts beat since 2013. And I think outside of pass rusher, the most inconsistent position it's arguably been wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton yeah, has been your, fantastic. Your story hit on that last week. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this last week, right? T.Y. Hilton has been fantastic. Okay, well, and that just he's probably that will covered just stand that up itself. a little bit, you know, because yeah. until this year he's, he's hardly missed any time. Right, and the other thing that covered it up, frankly, was Andrew Luck. Okay, and let's be honest. I mean, Andrew Luck oh, made yeah, players yeah. out of like you know <laughs> guys who were undrafted, and that's what my story last week talked about. They've these guys have drafted seven wide receivers in the last ten drafts. Like I was flabbergasted by that. So I think it. I think you're absolutely right. I think that it's time to stop putting the onus on the quarterback and actually force the action and get a guy who can rise above whoever's playing quarterback, whatever the situation is, and just make some plays. I mean, look, I think we saw uh, we saw a guy last year uh, in Denver, Cortland Sutton, come in here and, oh, he and have an amazing day. game with, with a guy, with a quarterback who's on his last leg, right? So, I mean, the bottom line is um, it can – the court, excuse me, the wide receiver can make the quarterback or take the quarterback to another level as opposed to the other way around. I mean, it, they, they're both dependent on each other. Bottom line. We saw that this year. T.Y., the first couple of games with, with Jacoby. T.Y. made Jacoby sure. better. And if I'm not wrong, if I'm not wrong, and correct me if I am, I'm trying to go back in my history books, the last first round receiver the Colts picked was obviously Philip Dorsett in 15. Before that, I think it was Anthony Gonzalez in 07. I believe he didn't so. He did pan out. Yeah. And before that, I want to say it was Reggie Wayne in a one. And Reggie was never supposed to be a Colt. They were supposed to go defensive line that day. They went to plan B. Plan B turned into a ring of honor guy, obviously. So they haven't hit on a wide receiver that high in the draft since 01. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's time to hit. It's been a blind spot for 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and everyone said, why do you need Reggie Wayne? If you've got, if you've got Marvin Harrison, you know, that worked out well. Yeah. So I think this, this is a great example, uh, of why 
Ty's presence uh, should not impact should not impact what they do at wide receiver. In fact, if anything, it should reinforce that they need to do it because he is thirty years old. He has had and he has had such a great impact for the team. It shows you if you get a game breaker at that position, what that player can do for you. So I think if anything, uh, that reinforces the need and the benefit of doing this. So so we'll see. Again, we're not getting bogged down in need over best player available, but but it's a strength of this draft and it's a huge need. I think and they're, they're going to have options, gonna whatever, whatever they're talking about, yes. whether it's 34 or 44, whether they move up. They're going to have options at receiver because there's so many great ones in this draft. Yeah, you're going to have options there. So, hey, one sort of draft-ish uh, topic I want to touch on. Uh, the Colts this week, they signed Roosevelt Nix, which was kind of interesting, a fullback. We talked to him the other day. Look, uh, he ain't interested in talking. I'm going to tell you that now. <laughs> okay, What fullbacks <laughs> <Now>, are. <laughs> but I do get the sense that he uh, is very much interested in going and punching somebody in the mouth figuratively on the football field. And uh, I- I'm kind of interested to see how this goes. I-, I will say this. Just what are your thoughts on on this? Last year, the last two years, really, we have seen the Colts take on a really physical and sort of hard-nosed edge offensively, yeah. you know, with this offensive line. They haven't had a fullback on the roster in quite some time. And now they add a fullback who basically is known for being, you know, a guy to knock the snot out of you. So just what are you seeing here? I mean, does it go – I don't know what their plans are specifically, but what do you think it says about the priority of that particular disposition, I guess, for, for Frank Yeah, Yeah, I, I, I think it screams – we're going to double down on this run first. Uh, I think it's going to make Philip Rivers better. I think it's going to make Marlon Mack better. I think Roosevelt Nix is going to get along with Quentin Nelson swimmingly. <laughs> um, and I think it, 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 you know, and you wrote about this late in the season. It was like, stop running the ball so much. You got to throw it sometimes. I think they need to find a better balance of that. And I think they do that by running the ball better and less and still being able to throw it. I think they're going to be able to throw it better this year because – Rivers is going to be a step up, and, and hopefully T.Y. is not hurt. But Knicks is going to make life easier for Marlon Mack, and I think Marlon Mack could be on the verge of having a huge season. He was going to last year. I really believe he was going to have 1,400, 1,500 yards until he hurt his hand, I want to say, in late November. Um, he could be a Pro Bowl guy. I mean, he's, he's entering a, a contract year. Remember that. And guys always play better in contract years. And he's a running back, and he knows the odds are against him. But I'm going to be fascinated to see what Frank says about why they brought in a fullback and then how he plans on using them. Cause you know, Frank's got ideas, you know, he's got plans for this guy. Um, and they had trouble in the goal line last year. They did even with Quentin Nelson and that great offensive line. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but you know, they were for a stretch in the season last year, one of the best third down and one teams in football. And they were number one in fourth downs. Cause you remember Frank was just going for it every time he could, um, that's I guarantee you that's part of the thinking and why they brought Nixon. But like you said, they're, they're changing this. And you've seen this team evolve over the last couple of years from finesse to punch you in the mouth. And that Chiefs game last year was the embodiment of that. That's what they want to be. They don't ever want to change that. And I think if you throw Nixon into the mix and you throw a guy like Rivers and you throw a guy like Buckner, I think they're thinking about December. They're thinking about what mm-hmm. happened and, and why they collapsed. And how they don't let that happen this December. And I think these guys are guys they believe won't allow that to happen. Do you, do you get that sense? These yeah. veteran guys who've been on yep. good teams, who play a physical brand of football, who are tough, 
You know, Rivers never misses a game. Buckner hasn't missed a snap in years. Nix is a fullback who will punch in the mouth. I think like those guys are the guys they want to keep this together and prevent it from falling apart in December. Because I think that left a really bad taste in Frank Reich's mouth and Chris Ballard's mouth. Yeah, I, I think there's no way you could listen to them talk at the end of the year and not sense that. There's no question, particularly Chris Ballard, who who can't hide his emotions. He's really bad at that. So uh, one God last God. thing, uh, related note. Uh, I was asked the other day, does Nick's affect maybe the plan at tight end in this draft? I don't know because I don't think they're looking for – uh, sort of a tough guy tight end. I, I think they're looking for Eric Ebron, you know, or someone in that vein. But, um, you know, look, I, I think I threw, you're right. But but yeah, I was doing I, research I on this. Not to, Frank said we're open to other skill sets at the Combine. Now, that's just Frank, you know, saying yeah. something at the Combine. But uh, I don't know. You think they definitely go the Ebron route? It's hard to find guys no, that I, athletic. No, I don't. I, I, all, I, all I mean is – by that, what I mean is uh, someone who is primarily a pass catcher as opposed to a guy who can um, yeah. who can be Jack Doyle, right? Jack Doyle right. can do it all. He, he can right. he can line up and block J.J. Watt, you know, somewhat, <laughs> okay? Yeah. And, uh, and he can go out there and he can, he can certainly uh, dust a linebacker and get you 20 yards in a first down, right? So he can do it all. Uh, but those guys don't grow on trees. Of course, Jack Doyle was undrafted, so who the hell knows? But my, I guess I, in my mock draft, Future Hall I, of Famer Jack Doyle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked I liked your pick at tight end more than my pick at tight end. I'll say that. Okay, your mock but draft. here's but here here's here's some intel though, right? Into uh, lying season, et cetera, et cetera. But here's some intel. I was told by someone on our staff at the Athletic, someone who is also plugged in. I was told that. The Bryce Hopkins pick, I, I had Bryce, I think, going to the Colts in the fourth round in my mock draft, which means nothing, but that's what I went with. Uh, I was told after the fact, hey, you know what? I got some intel on that, and I don't think the Colts love him. But someone associated with the organization said that. So it, it wasn't Chris Ballard, but but certainly someone in position to know. So that was very interesting to me. Um, take it for what it's worth. I'm just throwing it out there. It doesn't mean anything, and but it may be something to stick in the back of your head when you're looking at, you know, who's on the board when the Colts are picking uh, next, uh, what, maybe Friday night or Saturday during the day. So just keep that in mind. Um, I, hey, before we go, uh, let's we, – we mentioned uh, Dane Brugler's seven-round mock. We might as well, Zach, just run through all these picks. I pulled them up. Um, so I told you about the Jordan love thing. Uh, he's got Jordan at 34, but he explained that he thought, I don't think he did trades in here. So he explained that Jordan would probably, you know, be available in the late first and someone would trade up including potentially the Colts. So let's just, let's just leave that one to sort itself out. But that's what he had, uh, at 44, he's got Michael Pittman from USC. Like that pick a lot. You've said that as well. Yeah. Uh, Zach, uh, Let's see. At seventy-five, he's got a, he's got actually Adam Trotman from Dayton as his tight end. Which he's is been linked to the Colts a couple times. I've got them mm-hmm. going tight end at that same spot, but not with Trotman. Okay. Uh, in the fourth round, one twenty-two, he's got safety Brandon. <clears throat> excuse me, Brandon Jones from Texas. I actually think safety is is sort of a low key, uh, sneaky position in this draft for the Colts. Uh, what would you rank higher, so many corner or safety? Because they well, moved up 20 spots to get Willis last year. They've got Tell. They've got Rock. They've got Rhodes on a one-year deal. And they've got Kenny Moore. But you can always use more help at corner in this league. Yeah. I think 
I think they can manage for 2020 at corner. Uh, it's beyond 2020 where I have concerns, but you've yeah. got to address those concerns now in the draft. You can't wait till next year. So I, I do think that corner should be on the table. Maybe, you know, we'll see if they like any of these corners. That's the other question. But I think corner would be, I think there would be a lot of wisdom in picking a corner. I totally agree. So we'll see what happens. Uh, fifth round. I like this one. Uh, he's got Jason Strobridge, uh, defensive lineman from North Carolina. So I met this guy at the senior bowl and I actually wrote a blurb about him about, uh, this is back in January. I wrote a blurb because I'd watched him in practice. I'm like, you know what? The Colts could make a guy like this work. He's not a, he's a really undersized defensive tackle, but he can play on the edge as well. So he's got that versatility they love. So he's an interesting guy. I, I actually liked the fact that Dane. Maybe he'll come in and take Taekwon, Taekwon Lewis' spot. Sounds exactly That's like exactly Taekwon Lewis. A little versatility. Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, number, or excuse me, round six, 193. Dane has uh, running back DJ Dallas from Miami. Eh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not convinced on running back, but no harm in taking a late flyer on a guy. And then uh, I guess this would be your corner here. He's got uh, Brian Cole, uh, 197 from Mississippi State. He, I, I think he might be a corner slash safety. I'm not sure how he projects, but uh, that's that's what uh, Dane's got. He does not, Zach, have an offensive lineman. Uh, Chris Ballard <laughs> not yeah. picking an offensive lineman seems like otherworldly to me, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. We'll see. So I, I went through this, and, and like, there's no way this draft passes without them taking a lineman on either side of the ball, right? Like, they can't. <laughs> I don't it's think just so. Who they are. I've got them taking a D lineman. Uh, yeah, I just, I just can't see that. Um, the one position I wrestled with, and I talked about this with with Big Joe and, and Jeff on the radio this morning, is do they take an offensive tackle? Obviously, mm. the need is there. Um, it's not as it's not as you know strong because Anthony Costanzo did sign a two year deal, but I think you need to prepare for the fact that he's not going to be here for much longer, whether that's next year and the year after. But he considered retirement, so you got to move on. And right. the one thing you know about offensive tackles is you don't find those guys in the fifth round or the fourth round. Those are first and second round picks. And you can't, you cannot play with a mediocre offensive tackle in this league. You'll get your quarterback killed. And Costanzo's been quietly good for a decade, and they've probably taken that for granted a little bit. So um, I'm not ruling that out. I don't think they take an offensive tackle with their first couple picks this year. I don't have them taking one. They do have LaRaven Clark as insurance this year. They did draft Jackson Barton last year to play tackle. He didn't play at all this year. He's on the practice squad. You know, maybe he develops into a reserve this year. But um, that's got to be on the table this year or next. And that's a, that's a premium pick. That could take a first or second round pick to find the successor to Anthony Costanzo. You've got Braden Smith on the other side. He's a second rounder. So that's a really, really important pick for this team moving forward in the future. And if you're Chris Bowden and you're thinking about the Colts in 2023 and 2024 and 25, when you're possibly making a run at the postseason in the Super Bowl, you better have, you know, Anthony Costanzo's successor in line or in, in, in the lineup. So they need to think about that. And um, that's sort of the one position that's been ignored because Costanzo decided to come back. But you got to be thinking long term about how you're going to fix that, because that's a huge decision moving forward. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate an offensive tackle pick at all. So I'm totally fine with that. I don't um, think Chris Ballard would either. No, <laughs> he wouldn't have to sell it very hard because we'd be like, yeah, we get it, Chris. We get it. <laughs> if he doesn't so. draft, if he doesn't, if we can ask them this on, on tomorrow, on Friday, if he doesn't draft like an absolute stud wide receiver with one of those first two picks, his fan base is going to freak. They're going to freak out. <laughs> and he knows it. He'll probably get a kick out of it. 
but you'll also not be surprised. <laughs> right? No, no, he's right. pulled, you know, and I've, and I've thought about how many draft nights I've been to at the facility where I've been like, I didn't see this guy coming at all. And there's a couple where you're like, oh, you know, Quentin Nelson, this totally makes sense. But, you know, I've covered enough drafts and not just with Chris Bauer, but also with Ryan Grigson before that, where I was just like, whoa, this is out of left field. So I wouldn't <laughs> rule Dorsett. that out. Yeah, Philip, yeah. I mean, Philip Dorsett still to this day, like I d- does not compute to me. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's the fun part of the draft is you don't know for sure. And as low as the Colts are picking high in the second round, there's so many scenarios on the table. Yeah, wide open. Uh, by the way, I'll just leave you with this. Chris Ballard's first ever, 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 ever draft pick with the Indianapolis Colts was a safety, Lee Cooker. So, yep. what the hell do we know? That was Your literally second, the last second position second pick was Quincy picked. Wilson, so. <laughs> right. So, anyway, uh, the, the point is, the moral of the story is, we don't know shit, <laughs> okay? And we're dealing with a guy who's going to do his own thing and, and going to stick to his guns and his convictions. So, it is what it is, but it'll be fun. Hey, uh, thanks you guys for listening. Uh, hey, uh, well, thanks so much for, for subscribing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our, um, we've been getting tons of new subscribers lately, which I think is amazing under the circumstances with no sports being played. So I, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, we'll, we'll keep giving you a reason to keep coming back. Hopefully, um, uh, if you haven't checked out my story on Rodney Adams, who's the most interesting Colts wide receiver you've never heard of, uh, please do so. <laughs> I didn't know story until recently. How many, how many teams have two wide receivers who were former actors? <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> Although I guess Chester Rogers I guess Chester Rogers is not technically on the roster now, but, but, yeah, but yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. That is so interesting. Uh, so that, and then I've also got another Big story I'm really excited for you guys to read coming out early next week as well about another member of the organization that you also probably aren't very familiar with. So so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for <clears throat> excuse me, Zach's Mock Draft and uh, more draft coverage to come. So once again, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thank you so much for listening. And this is 1% Better.